0: Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, the music is playing and it's our turn, Matt. Welcome yes, to the True Wealth is. Show and the greatest Tuesday you've had all week. I am your host, Dave Littlejohn, and uh, we are stoked to be here. On this, a can I like with the? It's weird how the weather turned, and all of a sudden, like uh, my mellow turned on. Mm. Like I'm looking outside, and there's some rain again. And I'm like, well, all right, you know. Yeah.
1: And by the time the show's over, it'll be dark.
0: It's very possible. Yeah. So there you go. And this in in this weird weird world of uh, inverted yield curves, and what are we gonna do with ourselves? Right. Sit on our hands? How yep. about that? We are, we're gonna talk some about this today, and uh, what is going on with the markets, and we're gonna talk about a number of things. But I think the theme of the day is the repricing of risk. Mm. Okay, and I talked to you a little bit about at the beginning of the show, man, or before the show, rather. We mm-hmm. talk about this. Uh, you know, risk's a four letter word. Right. Yes. <laughs> risk has a lot of meanings in finance. If if you've been a longtime listener of the program, you've probably heard me talk about this before. That risk is not something that is necessarily the standard view that uh, most of us out there will take when I when I say like, well, what is risk? Mm-hmm. Right. Financial markets think of it different than what uh, real world thinks of it. You know, risk is. Danger, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it is risk is the potential for something bad to happen. Right. Right. The potential for injury or loss or something like that. Well, it's the loss part that's the interesting one because it's kind of what the market views it as, but it gets all of these different terms. Risk is a measurement of potential loss. Mm hmm. Risk is a measurement of the cost of capital. Risk is an expectation relationship with returns. Yeah. Right. And so it has a number of different connotations. And so we need to understand when we talk about what is the repricing of risk. Well, how do you price risk? Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you something we do it all the time. Right. Right. You want to know one of the most common places that we price risk?
1: hmm where
0: insurance markets
1: well they have to be right they have to be on the ball or they're going to lose money and so there's a lot of people running a lot of numbers and things change
0: so how do insurance companies or or who do insurance companies rely upon to calculate risks
1: well i know i'm just going to use progressive as an example okay because i like the way they do business um they they will look at a specific area right by zip code we'll say and they will look at all the accidents in that area and they'll look at how much has been paid in and they'll run their equations and say where do we have to be to be profitable and then they adjust the rates according to obviously what you drive um, we're going to use the word risk the risk of you know what is that car likelihood of being stolen compared to another's so they're running a lot of different angles. They're running it based on a zip code. You know, well, there's not very many car thefts in this area, but there is over here, so this area is going to pay more.
0: So, what? And and largely, yes, you've explained sort of the process generically. They use a process uh, with an actuary, mm-hmm. right? So actuarial analysis. Uh, the actuary is the person doing it. The actuarial analysis is what you just described. And it can take on a number of different angles. Auto insurance is a complex one Mm -hmm. in the sense because what they have to do is take a look at the probability of different types of claims Mm -hmm. and the loss experience of those different claims. And they're going to look at frequency of loss and the expense associated with that loss. And then they're going to come up with some amount that is going to be required for everybody to chip into a group pool mm-hmm. in order to do this, right? in order to, to, to get the insurance. Because what you're essentially doing is you're pooling resources together with a bunch of other people, and then the insurance company is going to manage the risk that is more than you would like to own any longer. Now, here, the thing about car insurance is, in order to legally be on the road, you got to have it mm-hmm. uh, the minimum amounts right there's a there's a minimum requirement to be legal when you're driving now we know some things about insurance maybe you as listeners have never thought about this but it's all relevant and and I'm going to talk I'm going to show you how this fits in your your personal picture and how it's going to apply to our analysis of the economy and the stock market as well so this show we're going to kind of tap, tap dance all around risk today but you got to start with an understanding and let's get one out of there. Now, I'm, this one. I'm not going to turn this into a weird discussion, right? We don't have anybody else here that's an expert in the field to really counterpoint it anyway. But health insurance is one, right? That's uh, a lot of people were coming up on the end of the year. We're also in um, open enrollment season for Medicare right now. So maybe you're pricing some kind of supplement for Medicare. Uh, maybe you are looking at renewals for health insurance if you're buying on the exchanges. Uh, Maybe your your employer is looking at end of year, and they're looking at what their renewal rates are going to be for next year, and so you're seeing those. Well, what's happening is insurance largely is getting more expensive everywhere you look. Mm -hmm. This makes sense. doesn't make you happy, but it does make sense. Why?
1: Is this a question for me? Sure. I think it's because they're being forced to take a lot more people the, the, you're, they're bringing in a lot more people into the bus that they wouldn't normally insure, and by doing that, it's driving the prices higher.
0: Right, and there's a an, well, there's another simple answer too, right? It costs more, right? Mm-hmm. It's inflation. Yeah, right. So if if everything costs more, including healthcare, then insurance companies are going to be paying more as well. Now I realize that the counterpoint to some of this is, hey, insurance companies are big corporate evils and they're massively profitable and you know they're about the numbers and not the people or whatever it is okay right i'm, I'm not here to debate on that's how, how that issue plays out right but um i am going to suggest that insurance companies are a really useful thing to understand so as listeners uh remember i'm the messenger on this one okay i didn't make this rule don't shoot the messenger right so so but if but i'm if you won't be mad at me well honestly i don't know if i care right now uh, because Just because somebody doesn't like it doesn't mean it's not true, okay? Yeah. The definition of insurance is that you do not intentionally take risk on, Mm -hmm. okay? That is a process known as adverse selection, and it would work something like this in uh, property insurance. I'm not going to let you buy insurance on the car you already crashed, Okay. Yep. Because I know as soon as you chip into the kitty, the pot has to pay out more than you paid in. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair to everybody else that's paying in because they right. were counting on the insurance company to mitigate risk and to manage that. Okay. So adverse selection is inviting somebody in and intentionally making it more expensive. So you don't buy bad risk on purpose. It's also why in car insurance and also used to be in health insurance. So we're going to talk about this for a sec. But car insurance—if you get a lot of tickets, it costs more. Mm-hmm. Why? Because
1: the odds of you costing the company more are higher.
0: Right. You're you're statistically a high risk. You're, you, mm-hmm. know it, you know what? You know what really makes people angry? One of the factors that they have correlated with uh, safety as a driver, if you maybe not safety, but expense, mm-hmm. adverse risk, credit rating. You got crap credit. You, your your car insurance should cost more. Mm -hmm. Because your probability is you're going to crash more. Yeah. Right? And if that's offensive to you, then remember that credit is not just a reflection of circumstance. It's a reflection of behavior. Exactly. Okay? So, again, I don't know that I care. If you're like, well, I got garbage credit. I don't think it's fair. Maybe it's not fair. But maybe you make bad decisions. Right? Rough to hear, but it's a reality (laughs) show today, too. And Dave's in a mood. What are you going to say? I like it. All right, so why is uh, – here? here's the one that's really interesting. Okay. Uh, the insurance, you got to understand when it's not insurance. There is a scenario that's not insurance, but it looks like insurance.
1: When everyone's forced to have it, then it's not really insurance anymore, is it?
0: Well, let's give a different example. Sure. Maybe you've heard of this one. There are some similar to insurance – Products out there like mm-hmm. Christian health share networks. Yep. Okay. Not technically insurance.
1: Right. It's more like people pooling money together in the event that someone needs it.
0: Correct. It's still the law of large numbers. It's loss sharing. Mm-hmm. Right. But the idea is that most of the time you're not going to use it. But there's not a significant, to my knowledge, there's not a significant amount where they say, well, you cannot participate in the plan. Right. I don't think they screen for that. It's like if Mm-mm. you meet the qual- the qualifications, you're allowed in. Yep. Okay? So they're not going to say, "Oh, well, you have d- diabetes and therefore we won't insure you." Right. Okay? And health insurance largely, and this is why it's misnamed, the health cost-sharing pools now work that way. Right? There's no longer exclusions for yep. health conditions and it's therefore true. Adverse selection is no longer avoided in these programs. In any of them. In right. Yeah. So it's not insurance. Okay. That's and that's a critical element to 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 understand is that insurance involves avoiding risk. Cost sharing just means let's get as many people in the pool as possible because statistically there should be more low utilizers than high utilizers, and therefore the cost will drop. Right, but the days of true insurance have really kind of they, dwindled. They have dwindled. There are still some things that sure. can be true insurance, right? Like, uh, you know, and maybe uh, larger companies that have their own plans, Private plans and yeah. and they're reinsuring certain portions or they're putting certain um, other conditionality on. But but largely, I think health insurance has disappeared in the traditional definition of insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, why is this all relevant? It has to do with the management of risk, and the pricing of risk. Cost pooling doesn't really price risk, does it? No. Which explains why if you have high utilization and inflation, the Double premiums whammy. will go up. Mm-hmm. Because it costs more because it was costing more. And <laughs> we right? yeah. like have to get caught up. So if you have a lot of claims, this is also one of the issues with, uh, it's a double-edged sword in- the insurance community, is you. if you don't do preventative care, then the other stuff gets more expensive, right? Deferred maintenance is typically more expensive, right? right? Because when something breaks, it's more expensive. But the temptation is to not concern yourself with cost as much if it's somebody else's money. And if you don't believe that, well, we did just have an election. Mm-hmm. And as best I can tell, all known political parties of any relevance in this country right now have not figured out how to stay within a budget.
1: Right. Just, right? at least not it's federally. A, it's a spending competition.
0: Exactly. So so we throw rocks at all of them. Okay. But now that we have established some of the baseline of risk as we typically understand it, adverse selection versus cost sharing. Now we need to take a pivot. We need to talk about how this fits into the the marketplace of investing. But speaking of risk, I'm at the risk of running long. Mm. So we got to take a break. So you guys hang out. We'll come back and do some more. All right. Good deal. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You're listening to True Wealth on Radio 93.9 FM at 1240 KQEN. Again, welcome back to the true wealth radio show where you can get all caught up by grabbing the podcast uh, which is at littlejohnfs.com okay uh, but we're not going to dwell on that instead we're talking about pricing risk today and Matt yeah what happened to health insurance
1: well we crammed a ton of people in the boat and when we did the costs went up and so did you know the premiums everything it went through the yeah. roof.
0: Well, that was the first step in Obamacare. Yeah. Uh, again, not th- this isn't politics. It's just uh, a health check when we yep. say the first thing was, hey, we're going to get rid of pre existing condition exclusions. Right. Right? Meaning you can already be sick and still get insurance. Uh, I'm not going to make a moral judgment on yes, no, or otherwise. Uh, in fact, interestingly enough, here in the state of Oregon, we did pass, what was it, uh, 112 or some measure? Yeah. 112, maybe it was 111, something like that, that it was health care. Is now supposed to be human right. Right. And uh, so we need to find a way to uh, provide that. And now I don't know if that's formally certified, but it looks like it's passing. Sure. Uh, Do keep in mind, there there are real gotchas in that.
1: Right. Right. First of all,
0: air quotes affordable. Yeah. Like, you know, I I just picture Chris Farley because you want to get affordable in my (laughs) van down by the river. Like, okay. so yeah, that, that's step one. And then step two is there's no funding mechanism for it no right We're supposed to like take it from schools and law enforcement. So
1: wasn't uh, the budget like t- like wasn't the cost of implementing this like twice the state's budget?
0: I, I or don't something ridiculous? It's like
1: where yeah, where's the money coming from? That's what I want to know. It, it's like uh, yeah, it's a lofty idea. but how are you gonna pay for it? Right. Did you think about that? No no, you didn't no.
0: But, but I will wager, this is, um, I can do this just throwing rocks uh, indiscriminately at everybody because you're faceless when I do this. Uh, I, I have some real question about the uh, IQ of voters. Yeah. Right? And mostly because uh, in my estimation, or at least in my opinion, the, the measures that we saw almost across the board were really badly written. Horribly written, and really manipulative written, and all I know is it worked. They've all passed, Mm -hmm. and I don't think people have looked at the unintended consequences. We'll say it formally on this one. I think we had more checkers players Mm -hmm. than chess players in this one. Yeah, right. And so it concerns me, but that's that's just my mini rant. Uh, the The reality is now. Here we're going to deal with it. I will tell you that. There are still real forms of insurance out there, not just cost sharing mm-hmm. and not some kind of must be purchased kind of event like you have with um, car insurance, for example. Right. You have to have it. If you have a mortgage on a piece of property, you will likely have to buy property insurance. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to buy renter's insurance typically. Right. You don't have right. to do that. Uh, you don't have to buy. Here's real insurance for you, life insurance.
1: That's a good example.
0: Why is life insurance real insurance?
1: Well, I think a real basic example for the listeners would be like, if I'm terminally ill, I'm not gonna be able to walk out there and get a life insurance policy, right? Correct. Yeah, they're gonna be like, hey, the ship is sinking here, we can't afford to to insure you.
0: Yeah, it has nothing to do with compassion, it has everything to do with adverse selection, Right. right? we can't go insure a risk that we know it's not a risk when we know the outcome
1: that's the that's a really good way to say it
0: right and so that's what happens is your your insurance you have to have random outcomes and it it can't be an assured event Mm -hmm. so that's the issue with somebody who's terminal uh and again we say this with all compassion if that's your condition i mean it's genuinely tragic but Mm -hmm. it doesn't change numbers right i mean there, there are certain things that I can be really, really angry at it, but I can't turn off gravity. Haven't figured out how to do that yet.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And so, and frankly, my basketball game would have been a lot more dangerous had I been able to.
1: Just I see you floating around up above. Look at that guy. He
0: could really get out there. (laughs) Like, nope. Just grounded like everybody else. So, anyway, now let's take what we've just learned about risk and that thinking around when it's cost sharing versus when you can, when there's an unpredictability of outcome. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we know that we have actuaries that are looking at the different uh, conditions associated. And now let's pivot for investors for a moment. Okay. Okay? How does the market, the stock market, mm-hmm. consider risk? Like, how does it deal with probabilities, uh, or I guess the, yeah, the potential for a negative outcome?
1: Well, I think one of the key parts of that is knowing that the market is reading everything in real time. And not only that, but it's also projecting out into the future, right? Mm -hmm. So the market is going to say, hey, we expect five interest rate hikes, for example. We're going to start pricing that in if that is what we believe is going to happen. And so the market is getting out ahead of the news, Uh and it's trying to make predictions to assess the risk, because if the interest rate hikes are gonna harm the market, that's added risk into the equation, and so we're gonna have to adjust prices accordingly.
0: Uh Aha, now for the million dollar question. Mm. What's the equation?
1: If we had the equation, we wouldn't be on air right now. We would be rich (laughs) with our own private islands.
0: here's, Here's the thing. There are equations. There
1: are some. There are
0: yeah. lots of them, and that therein lies the issue. But there's right? no
1: one magical equation that solves all of your issues. There
0: is no one equation that always works. But
1: there are a lot that can help you predict.
0: Right, and and that's that's the issue, right? Uh, try to hit. Now I'm having like this uh, little episode. Do you remember? They, so when they redid Star Trek, and you met with well, the new ones, so like with Chris mm-hmm. Pine was in it, Okay. and uh, you meet scotty and he's trying to explain how to beam did you see the movie you maybe didn't so see
1: it. i'm gonna make a confession on air i love star wars and i'm not a huge fan of star trek
0: Uh the new ones were still an adventure okay uh it it, it really kind of introduced a lot more action to it you know it's Jay, i've Jabris. seen enough
1: of it though i might get this reference so uh, continue
0: uh, well the description was look it's like trying to you know fire a bullet to a moving target whilst riding a horse. And you go, <laughs> OK, that's getting complicated, right? There's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah,
1: now deal and, with a blindfold. <laughs> and
0: that feels a little bit like the markets, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, I can sh- sort of aim in a direction, yeah, but to try to get the exact spot while everything is shifting around, including the target, mm-hmm. would just be dumb luck, right? I mean, it'd right. be really, really hard to compute all of the variables and if i've I've often said this here by the way is probably the single best consideration if you've ever seen a stupid online advertisement trying to convince you that you're going to get super rich okay if you had a secret that would somehow enable you to outsmart the entire market and win all of your trades and make and just print money doing it why, why, why would you ever need to bother selling that system to somebody else? Mm-hmm. You would be so busy printing money, you wouldn't even have time to teach the other people. And what what would be the incentive? Because once you let other people in on the secret, it's, it's not a secret. Yeah. So it stops the working. The cat's out of the bag. Right? Because that's the thing. If there's an exploit, markets, I've, I've said this before, markets abhor a vacuum. Mm-hmm. right? They hate exploits. Exploits don't last because once it's discovered and everybody starts to use it, the market will shift to remove the exploit.
1: Or the exploit just becomes the new norm.
0: Well that's it. Yeah. Right? It just becomes the thing. That's the market yeah. shifting. Right? So the exploit ceases to be effective because it it becomes the market. Right. And so I I, I again say why would somebody ever give that away?
1: We, we tell these things to people so that they don't get suckered, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, the, the remember, uh, just because it's on the internet actually doesn't make it true. Exactly. Right? Now, when you, when you say it on the radio here, it's probably true. That's right. <laughs> you can trust us. It's not the internet. <laughs> Where'd you learn that from? Ah, oh, the internet. <laughs> Some guys on the radio. So... If there's no specific formula, I mean, there, but, but it turns out there are some common threads to formulas. Risk is one of them, it is Mm -hmm. one of the most common and broadly utilized tools. Now, one of the things that we need to talk about a little bit here to give you context is is there such a thing as risk free?
1: Ooh, that is a good question. But I saw you put on the headphones,
0: so I'm not gonna spoil it with the answer. <laughs> All right. So the answer is maybe, but we need context. But we got to take this break okay. first. So if you want to understand how can I get to risk free as an investor, stick around. Okay. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM at 12:40 KQEN. all right gang welcome back to the true wealth radio show here we are here we are. it's tuesday
1: we're fired up we're drinking caffeine
0: yes yeah we are it's like
1: that's not normal for us at
0: this hour we're gonna need more caffeine and calories all right so here's the thing uh we're talking about risk today and at the break we talked about uh, first how are the markets pricing risk we talked a little bit about insurance and actuaries and that kind of risk but you know the stock market does not think about risk the way insurance companies do necessarily, okay? And th- this makes sense, right? The stock market is not looking at the law of large numbers and and the probability of a risk occurring as much as it is looking at the market structure, right? And where are the commitments of the market? So there's a bunch of derivative instruments, okay? Um there are futures contracts that are mm-hmm. projecting out the future value of an index. Right. There are options meaning there are the uh, contracted ability to buy or sell stocks or indexes at specific prices and times, okay? And all of those influence where the market can be headed because we have an auction marketplace, right? So there are buyers and sellers at any given time. And then we have reasons that people buy or sell, okay? Now the reasons that people buy or sell can be anything mm-hmm. right you need the money you feel like it's a good deal like uh, it's on sale right i mean there's all these w- different reasons and really it probably an, it, it's an infinite number of reasons okay there's a lot of them that are probably really similar i want to go
1: buy a yacht i'm cashing out
0: yeah right mm-hmm. uh, other times it's i need to avoid paying taxes i have mm-hmm. to buy in Right there, there are lots of different. I mean, there are weird ones, right? Um, you know, I'm I'm joining the board of directors. I have to buy the stock. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what the reason is. I'm just saying that there's something that influences sure. the demand. Okay, and then the market makers and the derivatives around those influence the supply, and that is always what determines the final price: is supply and demand. But there's all these other elements at play. How does one determine if a stock, for example, or any investment for that matter, looks attractive?
1: There's a million different ways,
0: but one of the most common is compare it to other stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Hey, is Tesla a great investment? I I don't know, but I can compare it to other car manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but other car manufacturers aren't solar. Well, I guess I could compare it to other solar companies. Yeah, but you know, solar companies. Uh, don't make software. Well, I can compare it to software companies. Yeah, but you know, software kind of companies like, don't make cars.
1: Tesla's kind of a tough one to compare. Now, Ford and GM, that might be an there. Easier you go one right. They're easier
0: to comp, and then some mm-hmm. of them just don't play nice. Right. Right. Well, I can kind of compare AppleSoft, uh, AppleSoft, Apple to Microsoft. <laughs> right. <laughs> I could kind of compare them, but at the same time, they don't do the same stuff. Right. No. Apple is much more hardware. And Microsoft, Microsoft is really much gone more cloud software.
1: Based. Yeah, and lately, cloud yeah. based. Yeah.
0: Well, and then you go, and Microsoft is cloud, but then so were Google and Amazon. hmm And you go, yeah, well, but Amazon's kind of retail too. And it's like, yeah, and so is Walmart. I mean, like, there, are we there talking are,
1: about correlation
0: here, there, David? There are lots of correlations, and so there's lots of reasons to compare. But what did I say at the break? What is one of the key factors to look at?
1: I mean, I think part of it is: are people willing to buy it? Right. Oh, so, like, see, I'm doing we're going to break Poor this down Matt to really it's simple the, terms. The, the yeah.
0: risk-free. Oh, the rate risk-free. of return. Okay. Okay. And and we said, is there such a thing as a risk-free rate of return?
1: I mean, I think the closest you can get to that would be like U.S. Treasuries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, because but, but, the government
1: has the printing press, right? And so it's like you can loan your money to the U.S. government. That's
0: yeah, the probability of you getting paid back is essentially uh, as high as it can Statistically be. Statistically can be, yeah. Right? The only thing is, if because if you don't get paid back, nobody's getting paid back, which mm-hmm. means none of your investments work, right? Because the money doesn't work anymore, right? So if we break the currency, then punt.
1: Yeah, then it doesn't right? work anymore.
0: But can you have a risk-free investment?
1: Not fully,
0: no right you're always gonna have purchasing power risk mm-hmm. which there's another name for that right inflation
1: yeah because if inflation's running at nine percent and your. US treasury is paying four then you're, you're still backwards yeah
0: yep so we understand this and when we think about the risk-free rate of return though, Matt, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. What's the most common risk-free rate of return that that's utilized?
1: The the treasuries, yeah. yeah.
0: So so and the ten year is typically what she There are a number of pricing models. But the ten year right now,
1: would you buy the ten year? See, because we also could look at the three year, the two year, the one year. Oh,
0: but but isn't this the key, right? Mm-hmm. Because under
1: normal market circumstances, it's
0: not whether or not I would buy it. It's mm. what is the market telling me.
1: Ah, so right? what is the market telling us?
0: Well, it's telling me that if I'm looking at today's updates, and this is uh, if you, this is on the the web, but it's pretty reliable. So you could go to uh, GuruFocus.com, and they've got the yield curve up. And I could go to the Treasuries, but I liked the display on this one. Is 10-year yield 3.758 percent? Okay. 30-year yield, 3.831, so a little bit higher. Mm -hmm. That's normal. That's normal. Two-year yields, 4.523.
1: Now, for those of you that didn't catch that.
0: That's, remember, 10 years at 3.758, two years at 4.523. I know we're rattling numbers up, but let me just round them down. 10-year, 3.75, two-year. 4.5.
1: So you're saying I can go get more return and loan you the money for a shorter period of time. Right.
0: Now, normally speaking, if I'm going to loan, Matt, if I loan you mm -hmm. money and you promise to pay me back next week, I feel better than if you promise to pay me back next year.
1: Right. And so if I'm going to pay you back in a week, you might only charge me half of a percent.
0: Yeah, but it'll be negligible interest. But if I have to wait a year, I need to get paid for waiting. If i got to wait 10 years, I need to get paid even more because Mm -hmm. i got all kinds of purchasing power risk and I don't have the money in my hand. Yeah. So normally you would expect the yield on shorter-term investments to be lower and conversely longer-term investments to be higher. Right. Where's the one year at? Almost 4.8.
1: Almost 5% for one-year money.
0: And 10-year money at 3.75.
1: So if you're sitting on cash and you're just doing nothing with it and you're losing to inflation and you're not getting.
0: One month yields right now at 3.866%. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) this is a scenario, and you've probably heard of this before, called an inverted yield curve, Mm -hmm. okay? this is the pricing of risk, right? Mm -hmm. And the market is essentially saying, short-term investments have a higher risk profile than long-term investments right now. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense?
1: Not really, because what are the odds that a well-known company goes bankrupt in three months versus in three years?
0: Right, and so here's the weird thing about this. What it's sort of telling us is the either one, that the hedging needs of mm-hmm. a lot of companies is pretty low, so they don't need to go out and ladder out longer-term mm-hmm. maturities to secure their balance sheets.
1: Or maybe they're projecting on the other end that things turn around and that w- rates might get cheap again, because then- well.
0: Right, and things turn around, meaning the interest rate mm-hmm. scenario turns, turns around. Turns around, yeah. Okay, so this is an important thing to unpack. Okay. It is. This This is important, important enough that I don't want to interrupt it, so we're going to take our last break. Okay. When we come back, we're going to talk about what does the inverted yield curve mean, and if we have time, we're going to talk about monkey business. Right. Ooh, okay, I want to get to monkey business. <laughs> All right, that and more when we come right. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio, 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Radio Show. Mm-hmm. Matt, uh, yeah. I, this was an important one. Yeah. We've got this inverted yield curve, and we're talking about um, what it is. The pricing of risk, right? Mm-hmm. We know that yields are a big component of what uh, the stock market looks at because of a lot of things, right? The relative return, like, hey, sure. could I I'm better off in bonds or stocks, right? Right. Um, dividend comparison, hey, can I can get a dividend versus a bond yield over here? Mm-hmm. And then some of it's borrowing power, right? Hey, if a high interest rates, I can't borrow as much on margin. It costs me more to to buy derivatives and so forth because I need margin for that. And, and also because the higher the interest rates, the more expensive it is for the companies, right? The stocks, yeah, for them to borrow money to operate.
1: Right, and we've seen companies having a really hard time with the rising rates mm-hmm. because it makes it harder for them to borrow cheap money. Right. And when you can't borrow cheap money and have that leverage, sometimes employees even have to go. Yeah. It's, and we've it's seen so, that.
0: It's, it's a very real thing. Uh, We we've talked on other shows before uh, before and again we got podcasts of a bunch of them if you want to go you know search through the archives and understand uh, how the cost of capital and how that affects business operation but the treasury yield curve in particular I Mm -hmm. think is very telling when short term rates are longer or higher than long term rates so in effect what what kind of market conditions would the market pr- look w- would lead the market to do something like this. What does the market? What's the market suggesting to us?
1: Well, it's suggesting that it's the market's already cheap, and that if the interest rates slow up and the market turns around and goes higher, then money would be moving out of those bond markets and back into equities. Right.
0: So, so let's not talk about the stock market for a minute. Okay, I'm talking about the economy. Right, I, I think you're. It, it is interesting that, like, if rates are going to fall, then the stock market looks more attractive relative to rates. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's an interesting dynamic too. Is that we could see if if rates are going to drop,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then I think that that is uh, potentially an indicator of multiple expansion for markets. Right. But if we're seeing rates looking like long-term rates are lower and they're not moving up as fast as short-term rates. Mm-hmm. What does that suggest about the economy?
1: It suggests that the economy is slowing. Right. Yeah.
0: And it suggests that the the Fed, some of what the Federal Reserve is doing, may be working. Right. Right. So crank up the short term rates, and it sort of strangles the economy
1: because it takes money out of the economy and it right. locks it up in bonds.
0: And so well, and so the, with with everything more expensive, short term, right? If you mm-hmm. drive rates up, prime rates up over seven percent now. Then And you know mortgage rates, 7-ish percent. We're right. seeing huge slowdown in the housing market. So there's this massive headwinds for economic activity because of the cost of capital going up significantly. And the markets are essentially saying, yeah, but if it kills the economy, then the Fed's going to have to do something about rates down the road. Mm-hmm. And so we don't think we need to spike rates on these longer terms way higher because- Frankly, we don't think that it's wise for us to lock in at that higher rate long-term because we don't think the economy is going to be growing at a rate where we can afford to sustain that debt level. Mm-hmm. So it means nobody wants to try to issue bonds at that higher rate. right? Like what company says, you know what we should do? Let's take out a 30-year loan at 9%. Right? Mm-hmm. No company wants to, to carry that on their balance sheet if they no. don't have to. and And so, so far... The suggestion is not only do we not need to do that, but we think that won't happen. We think that the economy is probably going to slow, and historically, this has been a pretty good indication when recession occurs. Yeah. Right. Inverted yield curve has historically been not not spot on, but it has often indicated recession. Right. And so the last time we saw it, there was a tiny little sliver at the beginning of two thousand and twenty, and that was kind of the issue when COVID first hit. Then everything went went bananas. Again, a lot of money printing during that phase. But right now, uh, we have an inverted yield curve. And, it, and it's uh, been that way for a while. Right? And I'm looking back to the 1970s. It says an inverted yield curve has predicted the past seven recessions. Mm-hmm. Okay?
1: When do you think they officially call it and say, okay, recession?
0: I don't know. But my suspicion is we're in it already.
1: I think we are too.
0: Right? I think we're in it. I talk to companies about they're, they're not seeing disaster but they're just seeing a slowing and a lot of it the question is how are you going to navigate like, this w- water eh, na- i think how are you going to call it right mm. i mean are you going to call it based on well you know i got work put in the pipeline a year ago mm-hmm. and and everybody had to get in line and so they, they you know people put deposits down so the work is still happening from what was in the pipeline already but is new work coming in the pipeline mm-hmm and that's kind of the question right now is are we seeing more like are we seeing expansion or not and I think we're seeing less expansion we're seeing in, the in, slowdown in a lot of industries yeah and and we're seeing you know housing prices that doesn't surprise me they're going to come down demand's coming down yeah right i mean what 30,
1: you said yeah it's a 30% slowdown in the housing market this year
0: yeah as measured compared to how i'm not sure but yeah uh you know but i think it still shows that we're seeing things shift. Well, we're
1: seeing Mm -hmm. it in the pricing too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, go on Zillow, look at homes. They're getting price cuts across the board. We're starting to see this thing really slow down. Right. Look at the number of home loans that have been issued in the last month compared to this month last year. We're seeing it slow down in real time.
0: It is true, I mean, look at uh, US GDP you know it is it's like US productivity's gone negative hmm um, i think that we 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 are seeing things shift i mean uh, ppi numbers came in softer so I, I continue to say that the the fed is going to really keep an eye on the labor market too they want yeah. to see i mean I, you know i hate to say it but they're coming for our jobs right in that sense well, i mean it's just
1: hp laid off 6000 employees today right i mean it's happening
0: right and and it's it's interesting. Of course, I was reading some research about big tech companies because that mm-hmm. that's what's been in the news, and that has not been a good indicator of recession, right? It's like yeah, to it's be been fair. very low correlation. And fair. the other thing is, you know, Amazon says, "Hey, we're going to lay off ten thousand people." And, you know, but you, you employ, employ how like, many? you, know, you yeah. employ like hundreds of thousands. So what's ten thousand people? Gonna you know, we're going to lay off one percent. You know, something like that. It's mm-hmm. like they they employ a lot of people. Uh, it'd be like Walmart says, well, we're going to lay off 10,000 people. And you're like, yeah, but you will employ like a million people. Mm-hmm. So that's just, you, you know.
1: It's part of doing I, business.
0: Well, and it's this sounds really cruel, but you got a million employees. You can find 10,000 bad apples. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's just normal. Like you find people that are not really living Pull up to their away. end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so... That's just human nature, right? And and again, I, I say this stuff because I figure someday someone's gonna like pull through the podcast and be like, I can't believe you said this stuff. Am I? Like, I can't believe you, somebody wouldn't say that stuff,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? That's not a that's not a comment on the human, well, on like on a human. It's a comment on the human condition. Like, first of all, I got news for you: people lie.
1: Not everyone's what? a high achiever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, not not everybody's a great employee. Yeah, I, or or they're not in the right spot. You know, that's the other issue is that. Um, you know, we're not all built to do the same stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm okay with that. So, in fact, I'm glad that we have that level of diversity. I mean, I, like there are people that are way more talented than me at a lot of stuff. I'm glad they're talented. I would like to work with them. And when I need that stuff done, I will tag them in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? So that that's kind of the, my jam. Anyway, at the end of all of this, here's, here's the The, the high-level takeaways. Here's the high-level takeaway. With risks being repriced. Um, and with what's going on here, we got we got two things. One, the high-level takeaway is the economy is showing signs that it may be rolling over. But what does this mean for the markets?
1: Well, the market and the economy don't always step yeah. hand in hand.
0: You it's know. it's a trap. Yeah, it, you it doesn't can't mean anything. you can't
1: predict the market based off the economy. It doesn't always work that way.
0: Yep. So, what does it mean for crypto?
1: Uh, I want this story. You said something about monkeys, so okay. give me this story.
0: This one, i got to give my father credit. He sends me this one, and it's pretty epic. Okay. Uh, it is how crypto works. Okay. I'm ready. Uh, and, and crypto, very relevant, said very few advisors. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, not long ago, a merchant found a lot of monkeys that live near a certain village. And one day he came to the village and says that he wants to buy these monkeys, and he announces that he'll be buying them for $100 each. So the villagers thought, this guy's got to be crazy. How could somebody buy stray monkeys for 100 bucks? Still, some people caught some monkeys and gave it to the guy, and he gave them 100 bucks each. And the news spread like wildfire, and people caught monkeys and sold them to the merchant. And after a few days, the merchant announced that he's going to pay $200 for monkeys. And so even the lazy villagers also ran around, and they started catching monkeys. And they sold the remaining monkeys at $200 each. The merchant then announced he'll pay $500 each. And everybody went out and found the last few, and they caught six or seven of them, and they got 500 bucks. And everybody was looking for the next announcement. The merchant says, I'm gonna go on vacation. When I come back, I'm buying monkeys at $1,000 each. And he said, and my employee is gonna be in charge while I'm gone, okay? And so the merchant leaves on vacation, and the villagers are frantically looking for monkeys, but they can't find any. And so the merchant's employee says, hey, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will sell you monkeys for $700 each, and the news spreads like wildfire, and it's the merchant, uh, and everybody says, the merchants gonna come back and pay a thousand bucks each, we're gonna each make 300 bucks. So the next day the villagers are queued up at the monkey cage, and the employee, saw he, he sold all of the monkeys at 700 bucks. And the rich bought monkeys, and people borrowed money and bought monkeys, and they, they went to the banks, and everybody went and got whatever money they could. Well, the merchant never returned, and nobody came. And then they went looking for the employee, and he never came. And what happens, the realtors realize that they've been duped by buying the useless stray monkeys at $700 each, and they're now unable to sell them. And this monkey business is now known as cryptocurrency. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) The preceding Uh, program was on financial services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.